the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. We talk about that, to believe in Him, to believe in Jesus. Well, it's more than an intellectual acknowledgement of Jesus. To believe in Jesus, the word means to place all of your confidence in Him, to fully rely upon Him for salvation. And I'm not relying upon myself and anything I've done. I'm not relying upon anything else. All of my reliance is upon Him. Everything. A lot of people believe that Jesus existed. Even diehard atheists believe that. Satan himself believes it. He even believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That belief alone will not save you. As Pastor Dan will explain in today's message, to be saved, you have to trust your life to Jesus. You have to believe that what He did on the cross can cover up your sin and make you right in God's sight. And then submit your life to Him and allow His Holy Spirit to transform you from the inside out. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 6 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. thing that is eternal are the treasures that we have stored up in heaven. Remember Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he talked about not storing up treasure here on earth where, uh, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. You see, we, we can take the perishable things that we have received in this life and we can use them for the kingdom of God and they become you know, eternal treasure. They become treasure in heaven. They, they, they gain a eternal value at that point. And so the, the treasures that we store up in heaven are eternal. So these four things, God, people, the word, and the treasures we store up in heaven are the only things that are eternal. They're the only things from this world that we're going to see in eternity. Everything else... It's going to perish. It's not going to last. And so Jesus says we should, we should put all of our energy into eternal things, not perishable things. That we should be preoccupied with eternity and those things that will last. Now, of course, you, you've got to work. You've got to have a job. You've got to pay bills. You've got to put food on the table. But our preoccupation should be with eternity, with the things that will last forever. And Jesus says to this crowd here in Capernaum, he says, you're living for the wrong things. And maybe you're here today, you're living for the wrong things. You're living for temporal things. 
for the stuff that you can acquire in this life that will perish one day. Now look again at verse 27. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. Look what it says. Which the Son of Man will give you. The Son of Man will give you. Jesus gives us eternal life. Eternal life is not something we earn. Uh, It's not something we work for. It's not something we earn by being a good person. Eternal life is a gift. Jesus gives eternal life to anyone who puts their faith in him. You know, Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal life is a gift that he gives. You know, this is one big distinction uh, between Christianity and all the other world religions. Every other religion is a works-based religion. You have to earn salvation by your works. Christianity is the only religion where Jesus gives you salvation freely. He gives you eternal life as a gift. It goes on here. Look at verse 27 again. At the end of verse 27, notice just a little little side note here for you note takers. The phrase God the Father in your Bible in verse 27. God the Father has set his seal on him. In the Greek, the order is actually the Father God. The Father God. It's It's reversed in the Greek. This is the only place in the New Testament where it appears in this order in the Greek. Everywhere else it is God the Father, but here it's Father God. And by calling God, by saying it this way, Jesus saying, you know, the Father God, Jesus is emphasizing that his Father is God. He's emphasizing his deity here by saying it in this order. It's kind of like saying, you know, my Father, God, right? Something like that. (laughs) And he says, God has set his seal on him. In the ancient world, a seal, you know, like a wax seal, you know, like they would have a ring and they would impress their seal into the wax. Uh, a, a seal in the ancient world, it was a mark of ownership. It was a mark of approval. And God has put his seal on Jesus Christ. God approves of Jesus Christ. You remember at his baptism, when Jesus came up out of the water And God, the Father, the Father God, spoke from heaven and said, This is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. God put his seal of approval on Jesus Christ. And by the way, the Bible says that every believer is sealed by the Holy Spirit. God has put his seal of approval on us by giving us the Holy Spirit. And so we go on here now in verse 28. Now we get the response of the crowd in verse 28 to what Jesus just said. Verse 28, then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Now the word work and works in verse 28, it's the same Greek word as labor in verse 27. So the crowd, they kind of lock on to the word labor when Jesus was speaking to them in verse 27. And they say, well, what works do we have to do to receive this everlasting life you're speaking of. Similar to the Samaritan woman back in John chapter 4. If you remember that story back in John chapter 4 verse 13. Jesus said to the Samaritan woman. Uh, whoever drinks of this water. Speaking of the well will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him. Will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him. 
will become in him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. To which the woman said, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. In other words, I don't really understand what you're talking about, but it sounds really good to me. I'd like to have some of this water. That way I don't have to come back to this well every day and draw water. So give me some of this water. Here this crowd says to Jesus in response, okay, tell us what we have to do to receive this everlasting life that you're talking about. You're just going to give it to us. What do we have to do to receive it? To which Jesus responds in verse 29, this is the work, not works plural, but the work, singular, of God. This is the one thing you have to do to receive everlasting life. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. That's it. How do we receive this everlasting life? What do we have to do? You just have to believe in him whom he sent. You just believe in Jesus Christ. That's all you have to do to receive everlasting life. You know, belief, faith, this word believe, uh, that's a really big theme in the Gospel of John. Uh, John uses the word believe or believed 99 times in this Gospel. Now, just to give you some perspective, Matthew's Gospel uses that word about 10 times in his gospel. And so it's, it's, a, it's an important concept in the gospel of John that we, we believe in Jesus Christ. And what does it mean to believe? We talk about that, to believe in him, to believe in Jesus. Well, it's more than an intellectual acknowledgement of Jesus. To believe in Jesus, the word means to place all of your confidence in him, to fully rely upon him for salvation. And I'm not relying upon myself and anything I've done. I'm not relying upon anything else. All of my reliance is upon him. Everything. And what do we, what must we believe about Jesus? Well, we need to believe that he's God's son, because that's what this gospel is testifying to us. And that he died for our sins on the cross. And that all of our sins were paid for by him on that cross. That he was buried, that he was resurrected the third day, and all of your confidence is in him and what he did for us on the cross. Now, watch what happens here. Don't miss this. If, you're, if your neighbor is asleep, elbow them. Look at, look at what the crowd responds now. You would think when he says, all you got to do, all, the only work you have to do is believe in him whom he sent. You'd think they say, that's it. That's so easy. Hot dog. Look what they say in verse 30. Therefore, they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Do you see what they did there? They dodged what Jesus told them they should do. You see that? Jesus said, labor for the food which endures to everlasting life. They said, okay, tell us what we must do to have this everlasting life. And Jesus said, we'll just believe in him whom he sent. And they said, ah, well, could you show us a sign first that we might believe in you? Maybe something like what Moses did in the desert, how he provided manna for our fathers to eat. Could you do something like that? 
and then we'll believe that you've come down from heaven? Now, now let, me get, let me get this straight. You're asking for Jesus to show you a sign. And the sign that this crowd is asking Jesus to show is that he would, that he would provide manna, that he, would, that he would give them bread to eat. And if he does that, then they'll believe. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. If he could just make bread appear for us to eat, then we would believe him. Oh, you mean like he did for you yesterday? Right? This is the group that ate the bread yesterday. And now they're saying, if he could just, if he could just make bread, show us a sign, like, like, you know, bread from heaven, then we'll believe. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. This is what you call an excuse. (laughs) They're not really looking for a sign. They're not really looking for more evidence. Jesus, Jesus has already done the specific sign they're asking for. He just did it. 24 hours ago. They ate the bread that he made. They've seen plenty of signs that prove who he is. It's it's not about the signs. It's not about the evidence. It's about their heart. They, They simply did not want to put their trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. They want everlasting life. Tell us what we need to do. But once he said, if you just put your faith in me, if you believe in him whom he sent, they balked. Ah, well, could you show us another sign? J.C. Ryle, in his commentary, said, it is want of heart, not want of evidence, that keeps people back from Christ. It's want of heart, not want of evidence, that keeps people back from Christ. And some people, you know people like this, some people just make excuses as to why they can't believe in Jesus. And they'll say, well, if Jesus would just do this, or if Jesus would just do that, well, then I would believe. And they act as if they're, they're just hung up on that one thing, right? And if Jesus would just do that one thing for them to show who he is, well, then they would just surrender their life to Jesus. (laughs) And it's an excuse. If Jesus were to do that one thing, they would just come up with another thing. Well, if he would just do this now, then I'll believe. It's, It's not really about the evidence. It's about the fact that they just don't want to surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. It's just an excuse. It's interesting here in verse 31, they, they quote here, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. They actually quote from Psalm 78. The whole psalm is about the goodness of God towards Israel and their continual rebellion and rejection of God. 
Probably not the best psalm for them to quote here as they're rebelling and rejecting Jesus Christ. Now look at Jesus' response in verse 32. He begins here by saying, most assuredly, remember that phrase? Pay attention to what I'm about to say to you. I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Jesus, said, Jesus, first of all here, he corrects them and says, Moses didn't give your fathers the bread from heaven. It wasn't Moses who worked the miracle. It was God who worked the miracle. Moses just announced the miracle, but it was God who was the one who provided the manna. And Jesus is the one who provided the bread for them the day before. He didn't just announce that God is going to provide bread for them. Jesus provided bread for them. He's God. He's God incarnate. And he says to them, my father gives you the true bread from heaven. He says to them, listen to what I'm about to say to you. Pay attention. My father gives you the true bread from heaven. You're asking for bread from heaven. You're asking for manna like your fathers had in the desert. Hey, God has given you bread from heaven. He's given you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Notice Jesus gives life to the world, not just the Jewish people, but to the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Salvation is available to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. If you remember in the Exodus story, Exodus 16, uh, when the children of Israel entered the wilderness, God began to provide manna for them, and he provided manna for them every morning, except the Sabbath day. It would just appear there for them every morning, enough manna for the day, and they would collect the manna, to eat. God provided bread from heaven to sustain them in the wilderness. And now the crowd says, well, give us this bread always. Give us this bread daily, just like the manna was a daily thing. Always provide it for our fathers. Give us this bread that's going to provide for us. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is the bread of life. Now this is the first time uh, that Jesus makes an I am statement in the gospel of John. And we'll talk more about this next week. But he makes uh, seven I am statements in the gospel of John. And I am is the name of God in the book of Exodus. When God called Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, and Moses said, well, when they ask, who sent you, who shall I say sent me? And God said, tell them I am sent you. God's name in in the book of Exodus, in the Exodus account, his name is I am, meaning, and what that name means is that God is eternal. God always exists. His name is not I was, and his name is not I will be. God's name is I am. 
You know, it's always present tense with God. He's always existed and always will exist. He's the one who was and is and is to come. And here in the Gospel of John, Jesus takes that name to himself and says, I am, and the crowd knows what he's implying by saying that. He's implying that he's God, that he's the God of the Old Testament, that he's the God in the book of Exodus who provided the manna for the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness. And he says here, I am the bread of life. One of the things I love about the Bible, just kind of a little sidetrack here. One of the things I love about the Bible is that uh, Jesus uses bread. He, he He describes himself as bread. I am the bread of life. This was written 2,000 years ago in the Middle East. And yet in, in every, every culture, almost every culture in the world throughout human history, everybody eats bread. Everybody can relate to what he's saying here. In every culture, in every age. It's, it's not like we're sitting here saying, bread? I wonder what bread was. You know, it's not like you said, I'm, I'm minced meat pie. Well, what's minced meat? I think I know what that is, Right? We all know what bread is. Everywhere you go in the world, people eat bread. And most people eat bread every day, unless you're on like a Whole30 diet or something, right? How many of you eat bread just about every day, right? It, it, is, it is like your, your, your basic sustenance for life in every culture, everywhere around the world. People consume bread every day. And so now Jesus describes himself as the bread of life. We need Jesus every day. Every day to sustain us. Notice Jesus doesn't say, uh, he who eats it. He says, he who comes to me. He who comes to me. Look what he says. He says, he who comes to me will never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Remember, they're, they're, they're pursuing things that will perish, things that will satisfy only temporarily. I'm looking for another free meal. And the things of this world, they, they satisfy just for a moment, just temporarily. Uh, probably most of you ate breakfast this morning And some of you are already thinking about lunch, right? Because that food that you ate for breakfast is only going to last you a couple hours. And you got to eat again. And that is is the world. That is the things of the world. You try to satisfy yourself with the things of this world. It's going to just leave you empty. And it's going to leave you hungry for something else. And it's going to leave you unsatisfied. But Jesus is the bread of life. Anyone who comes to Jesus will never hunger. He who believes in him shall never thirst. The the things of this world, they leave us dissatisfied and empty. But if you come to Jesus and believe in him, you'll never hunger. You'll, You'll never thirst. He satisfies the deepest longing of your soul. Not the physical, but the eternal. Satisfied only by Jesus. He's the bread of life. Feed on him every day. 
Because he's the only thing that can leave you satisfied. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. The book of 1 John invites followers of Jesus into a consistently growing relationship with our Heavenly Father. The Christian walk isn't meant to stagnate, no matter how long you've been pursuing your relationship. There's always more to discover about your almighty Creator, and more ways in which He can refine your heart. As you've done already today by joining Pastor Dan for Ring of Truth, we encourage you to continue spending time in the Word regularly. We also urge you to make conversation with God a regular part of your routine as well praying and listening to what your Heavenly Father wants to say to you. And know that here at Ring of Truth, we're also praying for you. We're so glad you joined us today, and we'd like to invite you to visit us here at Calvary Chapel. If you live in the Baltimore, Washington area, come worship with us this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. For more information on what you can expect when you visit, go to calvaryec.com. Or give us a call. We can be reached at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. That's all for today. Join us next time for more right here on Ring of Truth. Rings true.